Money Sense is brought to you by the Ellen Becker Investment Group, three-time recipient to the Better Business Bureau's Torch Award for business ethics and integrity. The Ellen Becker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com. Listen to Money Sun Saturdays at 2 p.m. and Sundays at noon. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Ann Mank, Certified Financial Planner and CPA with the Ellen Becker Investment Group. We are located in Pewaukee, just east of Highway 164 and Capitol Drive in the Town Bank Building, and also in the Village of Whitefish Bay in the Equitable Bank Building across from Winkies. And for our Florida listeners, we also have an office in the Bonita Springs area. If you're interested in learning more about our offices, including a virtual tour of each location, please visit our website at ellenbecker.com. On our website, you can put a face with the name because we also have bios and videos for all of our advisors. We also have a listing of all of our current events, plus links to past radio shows. And today's radio show, we have a treat. We have Rachel Lamontnia of the Masterpiece Bookkeeping. She is here to help us figure out the CARES Act and also how this impacts small businesses. So Rachel, why don't you give us a little background of who you are and who you help? Sure. Thanks, Dan. I'm excited to be here and hopefully this will be of some value to our small business owners out there. Um, I have always been a numbers person and studied accounting in college and decided not to go into it because I didn't feel like sitting in a corner and crunching numbers all day. Um, so I went the management route instead. And about 10 years ago, started a disaster restoration franchise with my dad. So I have been a small business owner for about a decade, and I've learned a lot about small businesses and what made them work and what made them successful. It's Definitely a passion of mine. I have a big heart for small business and entrepreneurs. Uh, we ended up selling that business, um, which was an awesome experience. And now I came around to opening this bookkeeping firm, which is amazing. It blends my passion for small business and what I'm really good at, which is the numbers. And I can make a difference in my clients' businesses by having everything together, but then also helping them use those numbers to make good business decisions. So I love it. Well, and the one thing I've noticed, because I've, I've kind of known you for a couple of years now, so I've seen you grow your business. But so right mm -hmm. now we are in the midst of the COVID-19 virus and how that's affecting um, individuals, businesses, you know, you name it, and it has pretty much affected everything in our life. But what I've yeah. noticed is that you have just really dug in and you've done a lot of research. You have a lot of information out there for your clients. So obviously you do enjoy what you do. I do. Well, I love what I do and I love being a resource for people. I have to say like keeping up with laws is not my favorite thing in the world, but um, these bills that have been passed in the, in the past couple of weeks really impact small businesses greatly. There's some great opportunities there and I wanted to be a resource for my clients. I wanted to show them that I'm here for them. I'm here to support them. And so, yeah, I've been trying to share as much knowledge and resources out there as I can. 
And before we kind of get into some of the details from your small business clients, what have you been hearing? Like, are they panicked? Have they made huge changes? Is it kind of, you know, not business as usual, but let's find a way to to have an opportunity during this time. What have some of your clients been telling you? It's been kind of across the board. It really depends upon your industry. So a lot of people in the service industry have had to figure out how to work from home and how to still serve their clients and might be somewhat impacted. I think almost everybody I've talked to has had at least you know one client drop off or ask for reduced payment terms or something like that. Um, but the ones that are hardest hit are the ones who have been forced to close, where it's an in-person experience that they're delivering, whether it's restaurants or um, like fitness locations mm-hmm. are really hard hit because they're what and salons they're like mandated to close. They yeah. can't be closed. They can't be open right now. Um, so they're really hard hit. Um, some of my restaurants are hanging in there. Like I have one local bakery that's developed such a huge following that he sells out every day still because oh, wow. he's out there and is putting together fun kits and things and just, um, you know, really built that customer base and they don't want to see him close. So I have a couple people like that who are getting really creative and figuring it out. I think the hard part is that none of the, none of us know when this is going to end, mm-hmm. right? We don't know how it's going to play out. And so um, the, our businesses are our babies. The self-preservation is kicking in and we want to make sure that we can get through it. For those that are um, making it through this time, what were some things that they either had in place or what are some things that they have, you know, strategies they've gone forward with that is really making a difference for them? I think some of the innate characteristics of a small business owner help us during this time. We had the chutzpah and tenacity to start and grow grow our own business, right? So a lot of that serves us well in times of adversity too. Um, Some of the things I think that are helping small businesses is, you know, if you create that awesome product or service and have great relationships with your customers and clients, they're going to try and support you the best way they can. Having that supportive network around you, um, of course, having your numbers together and knowing, having that rainy day reserve and all that kind of stuff is important too. So yeah. yeah, That's what I've been noticing too, is that those that have Um, I don't want to anticipate something like this because there's no way you could ever anticipate, but there's going to be ups and downs in every business. And even those clients that we work with, it's, did you have that reserve in place? Did you anticipate some of Mm -hmm. these hiccups? Because I think that is helping those that had the strong foundation, like you said, the 90 day reserve or just even knowing their numbers, I think makes a huge difference. Exactly. One thing, like when I teach revenue, revenue goal setting workshops, I tell people to set three goals and think about the scenarios. And like most people set one. Um, But I think you should also set like a pie in the sky, shoot for the stars goal. Like if everything was amazing and went your way, you could get that. But then I think you should also set a minimum goal where if the crap hits the fan, (laughs) um, this is what your business needs to do in order to 
in order to survive and to say it's a you know minimally successful year and that can mean a lot of different things whether it's you know a family death or team issues or whatever but nobody saw this coming and i think this is one of those situations for having that bare bones expectation if you've thought about it ahead of time it helps you when something does happen yep and also like what you mentioned before is if you have a good quality product and you really have treated your customers well, they'll mm -hmm. come and help you during this time too. I know there was a restaurant just recently down the street from me who they were closed because they really weren't sure how to handle it. And then they opened up saying, okay, we're gonna do the weekends and we're gonna do fish fry because we all love fish fries here. Yeah. And there I was in um, getting a fish fry from them and they said the response has just been incredible. They can't keep up with the demand because everyone in the neighborhood is trying to make sure that they stay afloat because we do appreciate what they've done in the community and the fact that they've been around for a long time and that they do have a good quality product that we all want. Exactly. It's amazing. And it's really cool to see the community respond like that. Like my husband and I have stopped ordering out on Friday night because we can't get in anywhere. Right. <laughs> we'll during the week instead, right? So yeah, that's really cool to kind of see people rally around some of these small businesses. Yep. Let's take a really quick break, and then when we come back, let's get into the CARES Act, because that's the new act that came out that is yeah. out there to help small businesses and really is, you know, we all know it's out there, but we don't know what it entails or as a business owner how it might help us. So we'll be right back to talk about that. Welcome back. I am your host, Anne Mank. I am a CFP and CPA with the Ellen Becker Investment Group. And today I have with me the owner and founder of Masterpiece Bookkeeping, Rachel Amatnia. And I just um, want to thank you again for being here because this is just a really weird time that we're in. It is the COVID-19 virus where everybody is kind of hunkering down at home and there's been a new law that's been passed the cares act and there's a lot of moving pieces in there when it comes to how this might help small businesses um, i know when we were off air rachel you were talking about that there is one piece in particular that everyone seems interested in or that could help the most individuals so why don't you start us off there Sure. So yeah, there's a lot of different pieces to the CARES Act, which is really aimed at, you know, it's a big, it's a stimulus bill. It, you know, it's trying to get money out there and flowing in the economy and really aimed at helping the unemployment issue. So there's unemployment pieces and things like that too. Um, for small businesses, the one that everybody is talking about right now is the PPP, which is the Paycheck Protection Program. And that is what people are referring to as the forgivable loan. So the gist of it is that you can take two and a half times of your average monthly payroll cost and apply for that amount in a loan that's given to you quickly. They want to get money in people's hands fast, right? Um, and that, it essentially is forgivable at the end of June if you maintain your level of employees and payroll. So if you can keep people employed and, and keep them paid, um, the government will forgive your loan. 
which is crazy. Like we've never seen something like this before where you can get a loan forgiven. There's no personal guarantee. There's no, not a lot of hoops to jump, jump through. It's a really quick application and approval process. Like it's unheard of. And you said it was two and a half times what their average monthly payroll usually is? Yes. <clears throat> and there's a lot of debate about how to calculate that. <laughs> so um, I want to give huge props to the IRS and SBA for how quickly they've gotten this stuff together. Um, I mean, within a week of the law being passed, they had applications open, which is amazing. But as you can understand, something that happens that fast will also have some works and some bugs that need mm -hmm. to be worked out. So um, yes, it's two and a half times your monthly payroll cost. It could be the previous 12 months or the 12 months in 2019. Or if you're seasonal, you can take the same period last year and use those numbers. So there's a couple different ways to calculate the amount of the loan. But the gist is it's two and a half times your payroll cost and your benefits. So you can include health insurance and things like that in there. That is just, it, it's amazing to think of the fact, because I, I am thinking if I'm a small business owner, my main concern are my employees. Like right. I want their family when you're a small business. Um, and just being able to keep them in, you know, in, the family in the company during this time of um, uncertainty, but mm -hmm. I like the fact that it does take you all the way to June then so that mm -hmm. you can kind of ride this out. We don't know how long it's going to last, um, right. and who knows, at that point in time, they might extend this a little bit more, but, but there's right. one thing that you mentioned, and that is maintaining your payroll. Yeah. So, how does that work? Because I think a lot of small businesses might have already closed, like you mentioned, or yeah. they have done furloughs or laid people off already. So from this perspective, are they not allowed to apply? Or is it just kind of from this point forward, they just need to maintain what they have? Or is it still kind of up in the air? So you need to maintain what it was as of February 15th. Oh, okay. But the law is retroactive. So, and they understand that people have already been laid off. So you are able to rehire to get back up to that level. So just because you laid people off doesn't automatically disqualify you. Oh, nice. And is the mm -hmm. approval or not the approval, the application process pretty easy to do? Like, is there a lot of, hoops they have to jump through or is it just kind of working with your local bank or your lo local banker? Yeah, it'll be probably the easiest loan you'll ever apply for. And it's designed <laughs> that way, right? Yeah. So the application is like, I think two pages and you have to do the payroll calculation and then you have to do a bunch of certifications. Um, one of the biggest being that you've been affected by the virus and the loan is necessary to maintain your operations. Um, you can't have any, you can't use it for any like overseas employees and there's a hundred thousand dollar limit. So you have, if you have employees who make more than that, you need to adjust the cost. But once you have that all figured out, um, it's a pretty simple application. Um, the tricky part is coming in 
where all of the banks have to figure out how they're handling it, right? So the applications are going through SBA approved um, lenders or your local banker. So in this case, having a good relationship with your mm -hmm. banker is definitely a plus, which you know we recommend to all small businesses anyway. Yeah. Um, some of the banks, you know, were accepting predated applications as early as you know last week Wednesday. Um, and some banks didn't even have their application process finished on Friday when the app, when they were supposed when applications were supposed to open um, because they were still putting together the back end and the online application and things like that. So my biggest advice there is really to work with your banker, figure out what their process is mm. um, because some banks are varying their instructions or the level of documentation you need to submit as proof. So a lot of people are asking for payroll documents and things like that to verify your calculation of how much money you're asking for. Um, another big misconception out there is that you have to apply at the bank where you bank at. Um, you and some banks are currently only accepting applications from their own um, customers people who have accounts there but there are some banks that aren't an SBA approved lender I had one of my clients at a local credit union they're not an approved lender so she had to find another bank to apply for mm. and there are some out there that are accepting applications from non-customers um, so you may have to look around a little bit to find to find the information you're looking for so um, that's probably the most frustrating part of the whole process is that it's different at every single bank. Of course. <laughs> it's good to have the application and the ability to do it, but yeah, everywhere you go to will be a little bit different. So um, with this type of grant, um, how does it affect those that can't open? Like you mentioned fitness centers. So I'm sure some of those would love to stay open and continue to keep their employees uh, around have you seen any of your clients who you know that can't be open right now because they haven't shut are they able to take advantage of this or is it really just for those that can continue either staying open or doing things remotely that's a really interesting question um, it's any any small business with under 500 employees qualifies so the law is very broad um, I have had clients who are closed apply for it and, you know, just to be able to keep their people on payroll and help them out. Um, I would recommend if you are keeping people on payroll while you're closed, find other things for them to do. Take advantage of the downtime. Don't pay them just to be at home doing, not working, but figure out training or some other initiatives you can use that time for. Um, get creative with it. I have heard of some, there is some debate out there about if you're completely closed, is this going to help you that much because you're just spending it all on, on payroll? Only 25% of it can cover other costs like rent and utilities. Um, and for some people, since the unemployment enhancements are so attractive right now, um, there are people on unemployment, it's you know, not that much better if they bring them back on payroll. So there are some businesses those who are choosing not to apply for the loan because um, for those reasons. 
Well, and you also bring up another interesting point. Um, you know, as I've been thinking of small businesses, sometimes just saying, okay, I'm going to pull the Band-Aid here and my, my employees are going to go on unemployment because they'll have money quicker, they'll have more, or it'll be more um, predictable income for them. So as a small business owner, it's, it's kind of weighing all these different options, not knowing, you know, what's going to happen three months from now. <laughs> Right, exactly. <laughs> um, and you're just the And you had mentioned too that the funds should be coming quickly. What does that mean? Like, what does quickly look like? I don't know. It's a really good question. Um, the application process just opened um, last Friday, the third. We're recording this on April sixth, so I'll have to say that in case. Yeah. <laughs> New information comes out by the time you listen to this. Um, so I've heard some people conjecturing it could take a couple of weeks and some people saying, you know, this week some money should start getting into people's hands. So we'll have to see. We don't know yet. Nobody's gotten the money yet as far as I know. Okay. Because <laughs> I haven't heard of anybody else yet. Um, but because this is so time sensitive, you would think that they're doing everything they can to kind of push it out. Yeah. They're really doing a really good job expediting and trying to get information out there and speeding it up. Like an app, a, a whole new loan program was opened within a week of a law passing, which is crazy. So they're really trying to get money into people's hands quickly. Got it. Well, I know there's other parts of this CARES Act as well that might be beneficial or things to think about. So we'll take a really quick break and then we'll come back and kind of finish our discussion on small businesses, the CARES Act, and then hopefully talk about resources or places for them to turn, and then also get into how does this help the individual and maybe not the small right. business as well. So we'll be right back. Welcome back to Money Sense. I am your host today, Ann Mang, CFP and CPA with the Ellen Becker Investment Group. And today I have a small business expert with me, Rachel Lamantia with the Masterpiece Bookkeeping. She is founder and uh, CEO, president, you know, she runs the place. All those things. Right? <laughs> Just a couple of hats. Um, but what we're talking about is the new CARES Act that has recently come out and what some of the effect might be on small businesses. But um, Rachel, why don't you kind of back us up a little bit because there was some um, stimulus that has been put out there before this for small businesses. So where, where does that fit into this picture? Does it roll in? Is it something separate? And then um, we've also heard that there are some grants, just here's some money. How do small businesses get at that as well? Sure, absolutely. Um, so I think you're talking about the SBA disaster loans, right? Yes. Um, so those came out relatively early, like as soon as your, your area was considered a disaster area or national emergency or whatever the terms are, um, the SBI, SBA disaster loan is unavailable to you. So that's been out now for two or three weeks. Um, what the CARES Act did was updated that. So now there are new things related to that disaster loan that, that can help small business. 
And this grant, this $10,000 grant that you've heard, probably heard people talking about is part of that. Um, so in order to get grant money, you need to actually apply for the disaster loan. Um, you can't just go and apply for a $10,000 grant by itself. You're actually Aww. applying for the loan. <laughs> That'd be nice right. if we could, right? <laughs> yeah, just give me some money. Right. <laughs> um, no, you actually apply for the loan. And then when you do that, and it's a streamlined process, like I've had clients do it and it takes 10 or 20 minutes versus, you know, I think early on when it was first out, it took a while. They were still you know, gathering a lot of extra financial information, but now with the volume of people who are applying for it, they've streamlined that process a lot. So you apply for the loan and then there's a place there where you can request what's called an advance. It doesn't say anything about a grant, but that is what the grant is. So you apply for an advance and if they decide to give it to you, um, it doesn't need to be repaid, thus making it a grant. Um, and there's only a um, billion dollars allocated to that um, advanced program. So um, if everybody gets 10,000, that's a million small businesses. Um, we don't know if everybody gets 10,000 or they're prorating it, giving some people lesser amounts or what criteria they're using in order to grant them. I don't know if they're giving priority to businesses that had to close or whatever, like we don't know. Um, and then obviously they may or may, may or may not give you a loan as well. And they could give you an advance and not a loan that is a valid scenario. And if they give you a loan, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to keep it. You could you know, either mm. not take the loan or pay it back right away or whatever you need to do if you didn't actually want the loan. So have you been recommending your clients apply for this just to see if they can get the grant or are yeah. you saying, are you telling them, oh no, the, the payroll path is the better way to go? Nobody really knows right now what is the better path for <laughs> uh, small businesses. And so honestly, I've told people, if you're really in hard times, do both and see what yeah. happens. Um, apply for the idol. That was open um, already like a week or two ago. So you could go in and apply for that right away. Um, and they were saying that the advance would come within 72 hours. I'm not sure if that's actually happening or not because they have such a high volume. So I've had people do that and the PPP. Um, the payroll protection one, the PPP, is pretty much, from what I understand and talking to banker friends, pretty much a rubber stamp. Like if your stuff is in order and you apply for it, you're going to get a proof of the loan. Um, you'll have to jump through the hoops later to get it forgiven, but... Um, it's pretty much guaranteed until the money runs out, right? So um, PVP is definitely um, probably a little bit more legwork, harder to figure out the banker and the application process and all of that stuff. But um, it, from what my understanding, the approval rate is 100% of your stuff is together. And so are these primarily the two paths that small businesses can go down to get money or is it also I had heard that there is some relief as well for sick pay or allowing employees to take two weeks off 
as well. Yeah. So that is under something completely different called oh. the FSCRA. <laughs> so that's the Families First Coronavirus Response Act. And that was passed about a week before the CARES Act. Um, and so that is not really... So the CARES Act is focused on the unemployment and keeping people employed. The FFCRA is, okay, how do we help people who do get sick or have to pay or have to take care of somebody who gets sick or now have no childcare or have their kids at home and because of that situation, maybe their special needs kids, they can't work like they used to be able to. How can we help those people? Um, because a lot of small business well, businesses just couldn't afford to pay people to, you know, to take a leave of absence or something like that, right? So with the FFCRA, there's two parts to it. One is sick pay. So if somebody gets sick or has to take care of somebody who gets sick or is trying to seek a diagnosis because they think they might have the virus, um, as a small business under 500 employees, you can pay them two weeks of sick pay and it will be reimbursed by the government. So it's not out of your pocket, which is pretty cool. Have they set up the process to get reimbursed or are they just making the promise saying, just keep track of everything and then we'll figure out a way to reimburse you? It's through payroll actually. Oh. So if you need to do this, like call your payroll rep and help figure that out. So um, when you run payroll as a small business, you have the amount that goes to your employees and then you have an amount that you have to send in um, as federal taxes. So that's both the um, employees withholding and your unemployment and your Medicare and your Social Security, like that whole piece that goes to the government. You can not take the amount that you paid in sick out of that money that you send in. So uh, it's pretty much immediate if you yeah. have enough to come in your taxes, which is pretty cool. Wow, that is an interesting way of doing that. <laughs> right. I mean, it's a I lot mean, of paperwork, a lot of... Um, good it's records. Kind of like the payroll end for records, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, but that means that you don't have to, you don't have to front the money. You don't have to try and cash flow it yourself. Um, so that's really nice. So that's two weeks of sick pay. But then there's also the extension of the FMLA, um, which is specific to coronavirus, where employees who feel they need to take a leave due to coronavirus. Um, the biggest part of this is usually around the childcare piece. Um, they can put in for a leave up to 12 weeks. And the first two weeks are unpaid, and then the last 10 are two-thirds of your normal salary. And that's reimbursed the same way through payroll taxes. And so, and that's a bit of a change because FMLA is usually not um, compensated time. You're usually not paid. Um, by most companies. Usually they say, okay, yes, you can take the time off, but we mm -hmm. won't be able to pay you during that time. Whereas now they're saying the first two weeks, you, you kind of cover yourself, which could be under the two weeks of sick pay. Correct. Yep. And then you'd have another 10 weeks that you could still compensate your employees through this. At two, third, at two thirds pay and the government reimburses you for it, which is pretty cool. Um, it's a neat program. Um, my only thought for small business owners is to kind of make sure that you don't have 
a whole bunch of your staff trying to do it at once. Because mm. almost every parent in America would technically qualify for this leave if they have a child at right. home. Um, and, and none of us could really probably operate if we had have a 40% of our staff like all take leave at the same time, right? right. <laughs> so as a as a small business owner, my advice would be to like check in with your employees see how they're doing. If their work environment has changed, it could be struggling. Figure out what you can do to help them and be flexible and work through it. Um, and you will have some some employees who probably legitimately need to take the leave because of the nature of um, you know, their family situation or whatever. Really create a good culture in your business and be in tune with what your employees need so that you can help them through it. Well, and that's really good advice, too, because as a business owner, a lot of times you just kind of think you're out here on your own and that you have to make all of these decisions. When a lot of times, if you just reach out to your to your employees and you say, OK, what is important to you right now for you know the person who has a three year old? It might be I just need to be home right now because I don't have daycare. Whereas mm-hmm. for another person, it might just be, you know what, I just want to make sure I have a job at the end of this. So I'm willing to work as much as I can. So we all have different priorities. And as a small business owner, really mm-hmm. reach out to your employees, see what's important to them. And they, you know, my thinking is that they'll probably say, you know, whatever we need to do to help you make sure that this stays around and that this business is here because I do yeah. love my job. I want to continue to do this. So let me help you during this process as well. Yes, that's amazing. It's a good advice for any time, but especially for now. Um, and especially if you're used to seeing people in person. Um, mm-hmm. I've had a virtual business for a long time and you have to be really intentional connecting with people. If you're used to seeing them every day, make sure that you're checking in with people and figuring out how to keep that team environment and that culture strong during this time while you're apart. And I know at Ellen Becker, we've been doing weekly Zooms so that we can at least still maintain contact. They've enabled us to have um, ways to talk through our computer and through web conferencing. Um, You know, I've gotten texts from people at work. So it it does make a difference. Otherwise, I'd be sitting in my office right now going, you know, I have a lot to do. This is very stressful. I don't know what I'm doing. But just the fact that I know I have this community, I think is really important um, and good advice for any small business that's out there. Absolutely. Stay connected. Right. Well, we'll just take one more quick break here, Um, and then when we come back, uh, I do want to talk about some of the individual changes that were made, um, some of the stimulus payments and some of the changes that were made to 401ks as well, and how that might affect um, employees and small businesses kind of going forward, and then making sure that we give them some resources going forward so that any small business owner out there knows exactly where to go or who to reach out to. So we'll be right back. Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm your host today, Anne Mank, CFP and CPA with Ellen Becker Investment Group. And I have Rachel Lamantia with me. She is the founder of Masterpiece Bookkeeping, and she is our small business expert today. So we've been talking about the CARES Act and some of the additional stimulus that has been 
put out there, but there's a piece of this CARES Act that affects individuals as well. And the one thing that almost everyone is talking about is the stimulus payments, where everyone <laughs> is going to get money <laughs> if you meet certain qualifications. And so what we're seeing, um, and I've gotten a lot of questions on this as well. It, it, I have clients saying, well, am I going to be somebody who receives this money? How do I receive this money? And they're basing it on two things right now. One is your 2019 tax return if you filed it. If you haven't filed it, they're going to base it on your 2018 tax return. And what they're really looking for are some income limits. So if you're a single individual, they're looking to see if your income was under 75,000. And for married couples, it's under 150,000. And what they're going to do is they are going to give you a stimulus check electronically if you've already, if you've always been receiving your refunds electronically, you will get that into your, your bank account. And it's, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, 1,200 per individual. So if you're married, you can have up to 2,400 and then $500 for each child that you have. And supposedly you don't need to do anything to get this money. Um, they're going to be looking at tax returns, uh, see if you have a bank account associated with your tax returns and then they should be sending it out. I have not heard of anyone yet receiving it. Um, it has, they've promised it in about three weeks, which would be about the middle of April. So we'll see uh, if that really does come into play. But the other question I've been receiving and what they're trying to figure out is those on Social Security who might not have filed a tax return in the past, um, how that will work out. And my understanding is they're still trying to figure that out, but their initial comment has been that those individuals will receive this stimulus payment as well. So we'll have to see how that goes. Um, the other change that I've seen is with the retirement plan. So there's two changes that have taken effect when it comes to retirement plans. One is for your required minimum distribution for 2020, you do not have to take that if you do not need to. They have also said that if you've taken it prior to when this bill has come out, so let's say you took it in January because you just wanted to make sure it came out and you didn't want to worry about it, you will have the option of rolling that back into your IRA as well. Um, so a lot of this is, like you were saying with the small businesses, it's we're figuring it out as we go. So the rules and the laws are there and we just have to figure out how to get it done. And so our advice to our clients is, you know, if this is something that you want to take advantage of, or you think it's of interest to you, just reach out to us or reach out to your advisor, whoever that might be, and let them know that this is of interest to you. And then we will get it taken care of. Um, but that is one way, one good relief for those who, you know, don't really need to use their required minimum distribution or the full, full amount. This is one relief for them. The other relief is that they can take out up to $100,000 of their 401k without penalty if they're under the age of 59 and a half. Wow. Now there's, there's some, you know, make sure you get advice from someone before you do this. Yeah. <laughs> but what they're saying is that you can take it out of your 401k of your IRA. You can pay the taxes over three years 
and you don't have a penalty if you're under 59 and a half. They're also allowing you to pay that back if you can pay it back within a certain amount of time, and I believe that's a three-year period as well. So you could take out you know, $20,000 to get yourself through this, and then six months from now, you could put that $20,000 back into your 401k or IRA, no penalty, no tax whatsoever. If you do need to take it out, they're allowing you to pay the taxes on that over a three-year period. Um, but the main qualifier for that is that you have to be affected by the coronavirus. Now, most of us will be, it won't be hard to prove, but really what they're saying is that you have to say that, um, you know, you weren't able to work because of this, you've had to stay home to watch kids because of this, you got sick because of this virus, and then you have the option to take it out. So it's out there. I would highly advise you to talk to someone, either you know your accountant or your financial advisor before you take this option. But for those who need that lifeline, it is um, a great way to utilize some of the resources that you've saved and accumulated in a way that might not um, have such a, a high consequence from a tax perspective. But once again, this is kind of a last resort that we would recommend to our clients, but that's, that's kind of out there. Um, but Rachel, you and I were talking too that there's a lot of information out there. So where can people find information? Because I'm assuming Facebook is probably not the best resource. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of information out there, but there's also a lot of misinformation out there, right? Mm -hmm. um, so my recommendation is only to take your information from, if you're on the internet, from a website that's .gov, that's from the government. Um, if you're looking into the CARES Act things, um, the SBA has a pretty good website. They have... Um, guidelines on there. They have a sample application for the PPP. Um, they really have a lot of information there that should answer most of your questions as far as um, the, the law and the guidelines. Um, obviously, if you're applying for it, you also need to get information from your bank. So that obviously, you know, the application process and how they're doing it is also a source of information. But yeah, um, trust the .gov sites, and I wouldn't waste your time looking at other things because most of it, I've seen a lot of things, and a lot of it has some detail that's wrong or will change in another two days. So you don't know if you're looking at outdated information either. Right, and that's a good point. Like you mentioned that we're recording this on April 6th, and by the time it comes out, there might be some additional changes because, in your opinion, do you think this is all they're going to do, or do you think there'll be some additional changes or resources provided as we kind of keep going yeah. forward? That's a really interesting conversation, and there's a lot of people, um, you know, conjecturing about it. And some people I follow that are, you know, a lot smarter than me um, think that there's probably going to be more rounds of this, whether it's putting more money into the, the programs already in existence in the CARES Act or something that looks different entirely, a stimulus bill. Like right now, they're just trying to fix the bleeding. Mm -hmm. um, gonna, there's going to be long-term effects of this, and it would not surprise me at all if there's more bills that will be passed later on. 
Yeah, so the, the most important thing is to make sure that you're going right to the source, so like you said, .gov, um, and then have just trusted resources that you know are going to do the homework and that you've used in the past and that they are people that you can trust. So, Rachel, mm -hmm. people want more information or want ways that you might be able to help them going forward. What's the best way for them to get in contact with you? Sure. My website is masterpiecebookkeeping.com. Um, there is a contact form there that just, it's a pretty simple name, email question. It comes right to my inbox. I also have, you know, some other resources and things on that website. Well, thank you so much for being here, Rachel. We really appreciate it. And we love the information you've been able to provide because this isn't, um, something that is just, you know, easy to understand or simple, um, but you've made it very easy to at least get pointed in the right direction for individuals. Right. Uh, we appreciate you being here, and, and as always, we hope that we have made a difference in your personal and financial well-being. And at Ellen Becker, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen. So visit us at ellenbecker.com for more information, and have a great rest of your day.